it's not just a magical thing, right? You can't just say, okay, now's the exact point where I make enough, I can quit my job. There's almost always gonna be a buffer where you have to take the leap and there's an unknown there. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design and impact the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here together with my co-host, Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I am doing excellent. How are you? I'm great. You know, I we've been locked up in the house and there's nowhere to go. Everywhere's closed and it's been all this smoke and uh, cloudy weather. But finally, we've got some blue skies. And next weekend, we're actually going camping, um, you know, on our road trip. Uh, a couple months ago, we were, you know, we we're camping all the time and I miss it. I miss it so much. And so next weekend, we are going camping down at Pinnacles National Park. Um, and I, I, I've never been there, but I hear it's got great climbing rocks for kids. I don't know much about it, but I'm excited to go. We've got this great um, private camping spot through Hip Camp. Um, and it's supposed to be sort of like on an overlook with a great view um, and just lots of land. So I'm excited for the kids to be able to go and just run around, you know, be outside, have some fresh air, not be indoors all the time for a change. Nice. Well, that sounds like so much fun. I love that site, Hip Camp, the the one that you um, had introduced me to. We've gone now uh, camping at, I think, just one place um, that we found since then, but we've been there twice now, so it's been fun. I love camping, and I love, um, which I'm excited to go RVing to and uh, and all of that, so that sounds like fun. You'll have to let me know where that place is, because I like the, the whole climbing thing. Anything, anytime you can make the camping thing fun for the kids is just, like, so much easier, because it's, if it's just like a campsite with you know no animals or nothing fun for the kids it's like oh my goodness we go crazy and the kids go crazy so I love finding those cool sites that have fun stuff to do exactly and we're going with um our our good friends who also have kids around the same age and um so it'll be fun to to see them after all this time and to give the kids time to play together and oh I'm, I'm so excited Um, So that brings us to our conversation today. Our guest on today's episode is Nick Baldo. He is a real estate investor. He's also a business owner and he's the creator of Income Digs. And I love on this episode how he talks about um, systems. <laughs> I never thought I would say that, but it, you know, when I, <laughs> one of the things I hated about the corporate world and all my W-2 jobs were all these systems and these processes that I would always bump up against. Like I wanted to make this huge impact and people would always tell me, but no, these are the systems. These are the way, this is the way that things are done. And mm-hmm. now I realize it wasn't so much about the systems. It was, it, we'll save that for another time, but it was a lot of other things. But now that I'm a business owner, I see that the systems are so important for being able to set a solid foundation so that you can then build your business and scale your business. And that is exactly what Nick does through Income Digs. 
Yeah, it was so cool to hear him talk about how, you know, he's able to leverage um, some of the tech that he uses to, uh, you know, potentially replace his property management company. And it's, you know, to have all, a lot of stuff just kind of automated, which, um, you know, I know in our business, too, we've we've been able to do that and have a lot of automated things set up. And and when you have those automations set up, it really allows you the flexibility to, to kind of live, um, you know, live your life while work is still kind of getting done so Mm -hmm. yeah it was cool yeah, and one thing that Nick talked about was his passion for teaching. Mm-hmm. He said that he didn't intend, he was just investing in real estate, flipping houses, he and his friend. And then they started to see some success, and then he started to build up these systems. And instead of just keeping it to himself, he had such a passion for sharing that knowledge with others. So he just turned on his camera and started creating these YouTube videos, and voila, there came another business, and that's how Income Digs came to be was just mm-hmm. from his passion for teaching others what um, he was learning. And so same as Nick, Julie and I have a huge passion for teaching um, and for sharing all of our wisdom with all of you, which is why this podcast is here. It's why we have our blog and our YouTube channel and our book. And so if you are new to the world of real estate investing and you're looking to learn more specifically about passive investing through real estate syndications, which are group investments, um, we'd love to give you a free copy of our book. It's called Investing for Good. And um, all you have to do is text the word book to 41404 and we will send you a free copy. You just pay shipping and handling. All right, so without further ado, here we go. Here is our conversation with Nick Baldo. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, Nick, I believe you left the corporate world in 2014 to pursue real estate and consulting full time. Is that right? That's true. Yeah, I uh, I had one of those, you know, out of college beautiful corporate jobs in 2010. And I worked as a consultant for four years for one of the the big consulting firms, traveled all over the place, was doing all the right things in air quotes. And uh, it just wasn't for me. So, um, you know, I kind of started dabbling into real estate and eventually made a plan to exit. and, And I was able to do that in 2014. And that's kind of meandered and evolved into a few different businesses since then. So that's where, that's where that journey has, has led me. Yeah. You know, Julie and I have both made that leap from the full-time corporate world into this crazy world of entrepreneurship. And it's not easy, right? You've been there. It takes a lot of courage and you need the support of your friends and family and you got to take massive action. And really, you got to build the plane while you're trying to fly it. And so every day is very different. Um, But tell us about your, your journey. You know, what was that like, did you know from the beginning that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it something that you discovered along the way? Great question. I knew I had a, I had a goal since I've been younger to own my own business. So I kind of knew it would be a thing. I didn't know it'd become so urgent so early. So when I started this job, um, just the corporate bureaucracy just hit me really hard in that, you know, to get a raise, you have to submit all this paperwork and get identified by the right people. And it just seemed like I'd be able to add value to the world and to the marketplace a lot more efficiently if I was on my own. So I kind of 
discovered, okay, something different needs to happen. And then, you know, real estate just, it was, you know, 2010, all those shows were on TV, like the flipping stuff. It seemed, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but it seemed like a really tangible um, path. And so I started kind of doing some reading and, and researching and I was able to, I teamed up with a, you know, a childhood friend of mine who was a carpenter. We flipped a few houses and I said, okay, so this kind of works. We got into some rentals. I saw how that worked. And then it was like, all right, this could become an actual, an actual, you know, stream of income for me. But I mean, to your point about, it's not just a magical thing, right? You can't just say, okay, now's the exact point where I make enough, I can quit my job. There's almost always going to be a buffer where you have to take the leap and there's an unknown there. And that was really tough. But um, as you mentioned, like the support system is really important. I was, I think I quit a month before I got married. So it was kind of like my wife and I, or, you know, my then fiance, we had a discussion. Uh, You know, I was kind of the breadwinner of the couple, but for at least a year or two after I quit that job, things were going to change. And, and uh, we kind of made a plan that, you know, if I didn't recoup what I was making by a certain point, then maybe we'd investigate going back. So that was kind of the fallback. And I think that was an important planning process to make us both feel comfortable that this was a leap to do. And usually, you know, if, if you have a good runway leading up um, and with the people I consult with, it seems like this is common as well. Usually we're able to really figure things out and, and every, you know, we're happy we did it, but it is important to do that planning ahead of time to make sure that, you, you know, you have that, that backboard if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that um, my husband and I talked about before I made the leap and Julie and her husband did as well. And just to make that plan and that buffer and really have that um, plan B in case, because yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Um, but I remember when I was about to quit my job, when I first realized I needed to quit my job to start a business, I flat out like sat at my kitchen table crying my eyes out because I was so scared to do it because I had always had a full-time job. That's always what I did. And I suddenly I realized I couldn't not quit my job because I had this burning passion and I really wanted to do this thing, but I was scared to death. But then I, you know, I realized that if all else fails, I could, you know, in a year's time, probably go back and get another job, but that this, this opportunity to start a business probably wouldn't come along again. Um, and so I, go ahead. I was just going to say, and you might, I mean, sometimes I get this too. It's almost like, even if it doesn't work, you just have to do it because if you don't, you're going to drive yourself so crazy wondering what if, and you know, you think about it every, it's like, I don't care if I fail fine, at least I'll know. I know that really started to crank into my mind uh, leading up to my decision. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you, so you mentioned you started out doing some flips, you make it sound so yeah. easy. Like we just, <laughs> you know, my, my childhood friend and I teamed up and we just, you know, we flipped a property. Yeah, so where, yeah. where, where was this? Was this in Buffalo? Yeah, it was. So I was, um, I was technically based out of New York, but um, I was traveling so much. I was going to the airport every single day. I said, they won't know if I move. I literally did that. And so I moved and I just flew out of the Buffalo airport. So now I'm in Buffalo, way cheaper cost of living, uh, making the same exact salary. Nobody cares. I'm still at the work site. Um, and so now I'm in Buffalo and he's a carpenter and we, we kind of have this idea that we can flip a house. It was really hard. The hardest thing to do in the beginning was finding the funding. Because, you know, I was making good money, but nowhere near enough to fund a flip. So we had to find private money. We'd never done it before. So who's going to lend us money? We had, you know, a family friend, some, somebody like that was able to, you know, kind of lend us the money to do it. 
um, we found our first one was like an MLS listing too. It wasn't even that great of a deal. It was just kind of like, it was similar to, well, we just got to do it. You know, maybe it wasn't the perfect deal, but we knew it was like kind of close enough. Let's just do it and see. And we kind of broke even on that first one. And I was like, okay, you know, that wasn't too bad. It was kind of fun. We learned a lot. Uh, and then everyone built on itself in that we learned how to budget better. We learned how to negotiate better. We learned about rentals and the fact that, you know, there's certain areas where the cash flow, yeah, might be better, but the maintenance and the management is just kind of crazy. Maybe we don't want to do that. So every single deal we did built on itself and made us even more confident for the next to the point where, you know, I'm sure you guys talk to people who haven't purchased property before and there's a, a real nervousness and we're not really sure. And then as you, you know, build up that portfolio, buying property just becomes a really simple analytical decision. And then once you reach that point, things really open up to you because it's not as scary. It's just, hey, do the numbers work? Is this something that'll help my investments now? Once we got to that point, that's when we really started to think, okay, can we do this full time? So, but you're right. It's not just like super easy. It's that first one is hard. That second one is a tiny bit easier. That third one's a tiny bit easier. But those first few are really, really tough to get going. I'm curious at what point, how many houses was it where you got to that point where it was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're there. Like we can potentially do this and leave our jobs. Yeah, I, I, we'd probably flip like six or seven properties. Um, we do one at a time, one at a time. Then we started doing it two at a time, two at a time. It was probably after that second two at a time. And then we had 15 rental units. That was about, you know, we, we had a few rentals. We kind of lived in life, uh, I, you know, the multi, the house hacking, I guess it's called, right? Uh, we lived in them. And then we bought, you know, kind of a cluster in a college area. And that deal, I think, really propelled us into, okay, now we own 15 units. We've done six flips. Feel pretty darn good about things. And we were starting to get financing. I mean, that was another thing that after you get those first few, now you have a little bit of a resume that you can either take to hard money lenders, private private lenders, but also to banks for commercial loans. And I think that was a real light bulb moment too, where it's like, once we have access to financing, the world is really opening up to us. And so that first, I want our listeners to hear, because that first property you mentioned, mm -hmm. you put in all this work, you, you yeah. didn't know about the financing, you sort of figured it out, you put in all this work, and then at the end of the day, you more or less broke even. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they're first starting out, they're like, I don't want to do all that work to break even or potentially lose money. And so then they don't do anything. And so, you know, I, I'm in the same boat. My husband and I recently did our first flip um, here in Oakland, California. And we, we made a little bit of money, but mostly we broke even. But we yeah. learned so much. And so I think people forget that, right? When you want to learn to be a doctor, you pay tons of money to go to school, to get an education, to get a degree so that you can go out and be a physician. But then when people think about real estate, they assume like, oh, I should be able to make money on my first deal, but they forget about all of the education and the experience that goes into it. Great point. And I completely agree. And it's like, well, what is the, you know, the lifetime value of doing that first deal, whether we profit or not? So I made, let's say I made $0. I broke even. Well, that was the one that gave me the second, the third, the fourth. I was able to quit my job, build these businesses. Now I'm here. Okay. So that was zero to get me here. If, if Even if I lost 20 grand, I'd say it was worth it. And then maybe if I had made 20 grand, it would have been worth it. It almost doesn't matter as long as you're able to absorb that in the short term. But to, to, to help identify one, is this for me? 
Two, learn a ton on the way. And then three, I think that confidence level, I've done a deal. Okay, now let's, let's, let's go to the next. And so that's kind of how I think of it is like, at first I was, I was pretty ticked off, like all this work for what? Now I realize that if I didn't do that one deal, I wouldn't have done all the rest that's gotten me here. And so it, it is all worth it. It's like that whole, you know, the first, you know, you got to take the first step before you run the marathon. So it's, it's so true. Absolutely. So now I'm curious. Okay. So 2010 to 2014, you're sort of doing this on the side as you're still working your full-time job. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I think I can make this a full-time thing. You quit your job and then, okay, take us to the next phase. So you quit your job, you go full-time into real estate. Now what? Now what? (laughs) Yeah. It's a big like, oh man, what do we do now? Uh, There was, there was a few months where we were literally like, well, we better do a deal or else our girlfriend, spouse are going to really think this is a crazy move, right? But we did, a, we did another deal, uh, like a commercial unit. It was actually like a, um, a buy, renovate, refinance situation. But really what is cool about me, you know, we quit our jobs and went full time. And this is, I think, is a really important lesson is that we don't really know how we're going to evolve. And we actually evolved in 2015 into a high-end remodeling company. So we were doing these flips in the past. We had done uh, these renovations on this multifamily and we were starting to get requests. Hey, could you guys do my kitchen, my bathroom? Because my business partner to a fault was getting so high end with his work that we were kind of pricing our, we were spending too much time on our flips and stuff. So um, people were asking us for that. So we actually, we took a pretty major turn and we started a, um, residential remodeling company, Oakvale Homes and Development, really high-end kitchens, baths, additions. And that became our main focus. We still held on to our rentals and we still buy uh, properties here and there, but we were able to make that switch and focus to Oakvale. Uh, and that was a huge game changer because now we talk about cash flow. Uh, you know, we're, we have the passive cash flow from our rentals and sometimes we're doing our flips. Whereas Oakvale is more retail and it's more, you know, we can kind of count on the customers paying for the renovations here. And we don't have to worry about the budget as much because it's ultimately, you know, the customer is going to spend what they want. Um, So that was a huge change and that business has grown and and it's been phenomenal. And then also around the same time, I started making YouTube videos. And this was an example of where my job at IBM, I was working with software, I was teaching businesses how to use software and how to do that. And then with my real estate business and with the remodeling business, we were doing the same thing. I was using software and I was learning so much and teaching myself so much for that. I just started making YouTube videos about how to use QuickBooks for real estate, how to use Podio for real estate, how to use Asana CRMs. And then that kind of drove me to Income Digs, which is a completely different business altogether where I'm teaching people how to use technology and software for real estate or other small businesses. So that's like the direction. It's almost like 2015 real estate investing is still a thing. It was kind of what got us there and we still have that. But then I kind of have two paths, which are still both fully operational, which is the Oakvale, the remodeling, and then Income Digs is the teaching. So uh, that's kind of, and those two have kind of since 2015, both kind of grown together in, in parallel. 
I think it's so funny how when you get into real estate and entrepreneurship and all of that good stuff that you don't really know where, what's going to happen. You know, you don't know when I left my job, I had no idea that Annie and I were going to partner. I think uh, we had already met, um, but I didn't know that we were going to partner up and I didn't know that I'd be, you know, sitting here uh, recording this podcast with you and, you know, all these um, like crazy things that happen. That's what makes it so much fun in my opinion. Um, But one thing that you said that I think was really interesting was around how you know, um, the, the transition into doing the high-end remodels and really listening to, you know, what your clients are asking of you. And that's something that Annie and I, we talk about all the time is you have to listen to what your fans and what your audience say that they want from you, because clearly you're delivering something that they want and it could not, maybe it's not just them, but maybe others. And then you create a whole, you know, business out of that. And we've done very much the same with some of our coaching products and um, had a lot of success as well. Uh, So I think that's, that's super cool that you were able to sort of distill that and listen, because I think a lot of people don't do that and they just think, well, I'm in the flip business and that's what I want to do. And they kind of miss the, the messages from people who are telling them that here, here's something that you could do and you could probably do very well at it. So um, that's, that's exciting that you guys were able to create that new business from that. Yeah. Thanks. And, and yeah, it's like identifying that it's okay to pivot, right? Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was going to flip houses cause I saw it on HGTV or A&E, right? I live in Buffalo, New York. It's the market is completely different than San Diego and, and uh, San Francisco. And like, so if I, I didn't even think about the fact that, hey, my profit margin might be way smaller here for flips. I just thought I got to flip. And then you learn like, okay, well, maybe that's not the best sustainable model. Rentals might be better. And then the high end stuff comes. So yeah, I think it's to that point, it's like being open that what your hypothesis is going in, it doesn't have to be right. And you have to be ready to adjust accordingly to, Mm -hmm. as you say, your market and your audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to kind of talk a little more about income digs and I want to learn more about what all that stuff is about. Cause for me, one thing that I really struggle with is the tech side of everything. That's why I have Annie. She's my tech expert in everything that we do. Um, but not necessarily on my personal portfolio. I wish I could have Annie on that side as well. Um, but I don't know necessarily how, what the best way is to leverage, um, you know, QuickBooks. And I thought it was really interesting because I saw on your website, you're saying like, if you learn how to leverage QuickBooks and learn how to leverage technology that you can scale and grow your real estate businesses faster. So tell us more about what that means. And, and then I want to dig into, you know, maybe some intricacies on how, how you're able to leverage, you know, different platforms for what. So, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And so, so what I mean by, um, you know, leveraging technology allows you to scale is that there are processes that technology can help that allow us to be more than one person almost. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Uh, Of course, we can use human beings for that as well, human resources. We can hire people to help us with certain tasks to make our businesses bigger. But now more than ever, and this is going to continue to be the case, there's technology that can do things for us that can bring our business higher in in volume or in profit or whatever your goals are for that. And so um, what I do with Income Digs is I try to demystify tech because one thing that is so true is there's so much out there what works and if it works, how do we best use it? Because a lot of people are banging their heads against the wall or the desk trying to figure out the best way to use this thing. And and I'm kind of one of them. So I I use myself as almost the test. I mean, I'll stay up hours and hours figuring out the best way to use QuickBooks for real estate. And once I figure it out, I have to get it out of my head, YouTube, income digs and teaching. But 
ultimately my goal is to share what I've learned in my business with others um, so that let the technology do its thing. We should be out getting deals, negotiating, doing the things that human beings need to do, our skill set, right? Technology can handle so much of the other stuff from you know, maintenance requests to accounting to bookkeeping, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I mean by leveraging technology allows you to scale. It allows you to be a human being, an entrepreneur, somebody who can communicate with the marketplace and add value. Are you guys using this for your own rental um, portfolio in replacement of property management? Yeah, so we use um, we use Podio is one, and then we use QuickBooks. So Podio, um, a lot of real estate investors know about it. It's mm-hmm. this thing owned by Citrix. It's kind of this this weird. Um, there's not much software like it in that it's just kind of an open database. And and I have created a setup and a system to manage rental properties in Podio, and that's what we use in our business. And then some of my clients use it as well, either my template that we customize for them, or sometimes I'll build them a custom setup. So I use that for the management side, the operation side, and then I use Mm -hmm. QuickBooks for the financial management of everything. So um, yeah, so I, we actually don't use Appfolio. We actually don't use uh, Buildium. I've consulted with clients who do use those softwares and those softwares are great, especially if you have the higher number of units for sure. But um, you know, some of these custom solutions, the Podio, the QuickBooks setup is, is pretty valuable as well. And so just, just to clarify, so you actually don't have property management on your rental properties, right? Correct. Like, like a property management company that you pay oftentimes 10% <laughs> to, That's right. yeah, to so manage. So okay. Yeah. So we have our own holding, we have many holding companies and then one management company. So we do our own in-house management. Okay. okay. And the technology we use for that is Podio. And then the team that we deploy as needed is kind of the shared team with the Oakvale company as well. But we do all of our property management in-house. Wow. We, we do all of our own. Wow. That is so cool. So somebody who ha- maybe spends hundreds of dollars a month across 20, por- 20 single family homes could, if they learned how to leverage QuickBooks and learned how to leverage Podio could get rid of their property management companies you're saying, and then basically take that money back and put it in their pocket. Potentially. Yes. I mean, the one okay. thing we have still have to think about is like somebody might need to do the fix, right? Do the repair, right. uh, mm-hmm. meet the tenant for the key exchange, that kind of stuff you still need to do. And that's part of what you're paying the property manager for too. However, this software helps to organize that and to automate it so that we have a three month uh, alert that a lease is coming due. And so we can automatically generate a new one that gets sent for signature. So that's like an example of a process flow where a human being might need to look at a paper calendar and then write up a lease and then go over to the person and sign it in person. What we do is we try to make all of that handled by the system so that you know, the date tells us that we need a new lease. It automatically sends the signature comes back and we're confirmed. So that's, you know, there's still a human element, but we try to remove the human element as, as much as possible to really make sure that we are freed up to do other, other things in our business. Wow. That is incredibly valuable. When you think about the amount of money that people spend on, on, you know, property management. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. So for QuickBooks, I'm curious, like I have number, a number of different rental properties that are managed by different property management companies. And then 
I, I have to manually go into each property management company's site and like pull down information and like, you know, look at the year end statement and look at like, you know, how much I spent on repairs and look at what the net income was and the gross income and plug all of that manually myself into a spreadsheet that I then give to my CPA. So how does that work with, with QuickBooks online when you have multiple different, maybe, um, you know, places where you need to kind of pluck all that information from? How does that work? Right, right. Great question. So there's still going to be data entry. However, the system that I teach is a really great system for a VA, a really great system for a VA in that now when you have a property management company, it's weird because the fact that you don't have to do the day-to-day financials almost makes it a little bit more complicated to get it into QuickBooks, but it's right. still possible. You basically, you're getting your maybe a monthly statement per rental and we, we have a mapping on QuickBooks. And I say a mapping, meaning when we are preparing our taxes at the end of the year, we have form 8825, there's our rental property income, right? We set up our QuickBooks to have pretty much the exact same categories. And then we can take our property management and just kind of make sure that it's going in there. And we do it as, you know, I do it daily, but some people might just do it monthly. What that allows us to do is, is we don't have to wait till the end of the year to see how we're doing on things, mm-hmm. right? And so when it comes to QuickBooks, my big thing with, with my customers, when they say, well, how detailed do I have to get? My question is, well, what, are you, what decisions are you trying to make? If you are the type of entrepreneur who needs to see what your cash flow is doing for each rental property throughout the year, then here's the detail level you need to be at. But ultimately, I'm trying to make your books transparent as opposed to just hoping and praying at the end of the year when you get that year on statement. But um, a lot of this data entry and the way we kind of teach it too is it's a really simple process that you can kind of teach to your VA or a bookkeeper, somebody to do that work for you. And then you log in to see the information. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And then on the piece of it about like how you're able to like really scale, is it just a matter of like being more efficient with your time or is there like some secret sauce in there that really allows you to take you from like, let's say I have, you know, five rental properties to, to 20 or, you know, 25 or even more like talk about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the secret sauce part of that is on the more, units we have, the more tenants we have to manage, the more dates we have to manage, and the human brain can't really handle all of that. So my clients, when we say scale, so like, let's say 10 to 30 units, it's a pretty big jump. What mm-hmm. I'm trying to do with their technology is to set up that alert system so that every time we execute a lease, we not only have an end date for that lease, but we have a date prior to that in which we're requesting a renewal. And that requesting a renewal process should not be me making a phone call or making a text message. I can probably do it on 10 units. I can't do it on 30. So if I can have the system send that, well, that takes it off of my plate. And then that tenant can click a button on whether they want to renew. If they click yes, we automatically send them the lease to sign. So what we're doing here is all the things that I can do with one to 10 units because it's not that crazy. We're, we're going to have the technology start to handle a lot of those processes, which enables us to grow almost exponentially, um, you know, when the system can kind of handle all of that. So that's really what we're trying to accomplish is to establish those human processes, bring them into the technology. We'll get back to our conversation with Nick in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? 
Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Nick Baldo. Hmm. This is so key for being able to scale. I mean, it's almost like the, the confidence piece, right? I remember when we had first gotten our first property or two, it was like, we didn't have any systems built up. We barely knew that it was going to cash flow. We were like, okay, we just bought a property. Cool. We got some rent checks coming in. We didn't really know, you know, we didn't have it in a spreadsheet when the thing was going to, the lease was due, when, you know, what the the rent increases were going to be. We didn't systematize any of that. And so we just went along. We're like, seems to be going well. Let's get another property. And we kept adding one property, then another and another. And at certain at a certain point, you hit your breaking point without systems, right? Because like you said, the human mind can only hold so much information. And so at a certain point, we just felt like, oh my gosh, this is a complete mess. We don't know what's going on, when things are due, when things are coming up. And it was then that's when we hit the brakes and we were like, okay, we can't do anymore. We thought at that point we were just like, okay, that's it. We've hit our limit. We can't do anymore. Um, But then through this process of discovery, we realized it really was exactly what you're talking about, the systems piece. And once we got that under us, we were like, hey, this isn't so bad. Let's get another property. We can add another property on top of this. So I can see how this is such an instrumental piece to being able to take a small portfolio and really scale it over time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one thing that we should not lose to a lot of people assume because of what I do in, in the business that I'm like really big into tech. And I, I am. However, I think the, the human part of those tasks is super important. And it's sometimes the best way. But what you were explaining, Annie, about um, you're kind of doing it yourself. I think that's important because we need to know what the process should be if a human were to do it. Okay, before we can tell the technology to do it. If you were to bring somebody who's never done real estate before and say, hey, make me a system. And honestly, this is a crucial mistake a lot of people make is they'll hire a developer who doesn't know real estate. Um, 
there are some really intricate parts that unless you've handled the rent checks, unless you've dealt with lease renewals at a personal level, you probably can't tell the system how to do it. So it's an essential piece to kind of do it yourself and to cut your teeth on that. But at a certain point, we have the confidence that now we can say, here's my process. Here's the human parts. Here's the system parts. Here's the part that's going to be handled by tech, and that's going to allow me to take on more. Oh, that's such an important piece. It's part of the growing pains, right? It's a good yeah. problem to have when you get to that point where you're like, oh, I need some systems under me. Um, and to know that, you know, it's, it's not about... Um, it's not that you can't do it. It's that you just need those systems under you to get to that next level so that you can move on and scale your business. So I love that. Okay. So these days tell us, okay, so are you, so you, it sounds like these days you're doing multiple things. You've still got rental properties, you've got Oakvale and you've got income dig. So how are you able to do all of that? Are you doing <laughs> little bits here and there? Yeah. Like how are you managing all of that? It's, it's pretty crazy. I, I'm definitely guilty of uh, probably taking on too much still at this point. Um, but the good thing is I'm in control of every part of it. So if I need to take a break here or there, I can do that. Um, but typically, you know, my normal day is mostly allocated to Oakvale just because it's customer facing. I'm the front of the business. I'm doing some sales. I'm doing a little bit of project management but I'll spend some time in the office as well. Um, and so I'll piece in some income digs. Now, income digs is becoming more passive in that I've created courses and you know I'm selling those courses and then you know some weekly Q&As in a community as opposed to more of the one-on-one -on -one consulting. I'm still doing both, but we're trying to kind of gear it more toward the courses. So that's really the goal with income digs is to, to create assets that you know, that can certainly provide value to my, my audience and my customers, but can also be a little bit more passive um, so I can focus on other parts of the business. So to be honest, I'm definitely still doing a little bit too much, but I'm, it's almost like a little bit of an addiction. I, I kind of like the direction that both are going. I want them to keep growing. And then, you know, my wife and I are really good about, we, we go to Europe, you know, two times a year to just settle down and take a break other than this year of course, but um, we just kind of take that time to just step away. I think that's really crucial because we, we are, we are working so hard during those times that we're not, but um, yeah, that's where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm building both still in parallel because there's so much I want to get out there and there's so much I want to do in both markets. So I'm curious to know from your perspective in, in real estate and what you're doing, um, how, how is everything that's happening right now with COVID impacting everything that you're doing, if at all, it positively, negatively, um, share some insight on that. Because I know a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people in our, in our audience and a lot of our investors are just, you know, people want to know, they want to know what's inside our crystal yeah. ball. And unfortunately, I don't have one. Um, and, uh, you know, so would love to kind of hear from your perspective, um, and, you know, the industry that you're in, what, what you kind of see happening. Right. Yeah, you know, and I, it's almost like weird. I, I have this conversation with, with people and it's almost a little bit of a guilt or a weird feeling, but, but the remodeling business is, is going crazy right now in our market. People are, we are completely scheduled and people want to renovate their homes. Annie and I were talking before we recorded. It's like people are just kind of sitting around and looking at their house and wanting to do things. So that business is really going really well in my marketplace. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot going on there. 
And I think when it comes to the online education, and, and you might have seen this as well, you know, a lot of people have some time on their hands now. And so a lot of people want to learn. I think that's great. And so with Income Digs 2, I found that uh, meeting a lot of new audience members, new clients that are taking this time to either reinvent themselves or just build on what they've already done. So this year has been really weird. And, and, you know, I feel lucky about um, the industries I'm in and the fact that I've been able to keep working and that, that is great. Um, that's what I've been seeing. It's, it's kind of a bummer because you know that that's certainly not not the case everywhere else, but in those two mm-hmm. markets, it is. From the rental perspective too, um, we have kind of higher end rentals and um, you know, we kind of put out you know, the notice if you're gonna have issues paying rent. We, we really haven't had anybody do that. I think we set up a payment plan with one of them. There's a lot of healthcare workers um, in our rentals. So we haven't really seen too many negative impacts of that as well. Again, another area where I, I feel really lucky and blessed because I know that that's gonna be it already is and it's going to continue to be a tough area is, is when rent payments come due. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting because people are probably sitting around at their house looking at the old, you know, whatever wall or that old cabinet or that space that they don't know what to do with. And so they're probably like, you know what? we've been here for the last six months. I know that's true for me. Um, and about a month ago, I went on vacation and came back. And and I, the first thing I did was buy a bunch of houseplants because I'm like, I'm going to be here for the next, I don't know how long, day in and day out with my three kids. I need something to, you know, kind of spruce up the place. So it really makes sense, you know, that a lot of people are, are probably like, well, I, I think that they're going to be there for a while, but also thinking about how they can sort of repurpose space that they have. I've been reading a lot about that like okay you know now we've got you know a number of kids you know homeschooling we're now working from home um i don't have an office my kids are sitting in their room you know next to their bed doing their studies like and so i know a lot of people are probably doing that as well do you do you see that happening where people are repurposing space absolutely and we call that it's usually that falls into like our custom carpentry category where it's like I want some built-ins. I want a cool desk. I want a Murphy bed. We built some Murphy beds. I don't know if you're familiar with those yeah. the beds that go up against the wall and they come down. So I think that's a really good point. I didn't, and I, and I really did start to put it together once I, you know, school in New York state just started a, last week, two weeks ago, maybe. So as I've been going on visits to customers, I, I see it. I see why these requests are coming in because we got people scattered all over the house, computer here, computer there, and they're trying to organize that space. And it's interesting how, this crazy event is almost like turning this industry into a little bit of a niche area here. Uh, right. So we have been seeing that. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a great point. Yeah. Well, that's super awesome. And I love that, you know, people are getting out there and continuing to educate themselves in the midst of all of this stuff. Cause I think it's a great time to do that. And we've been seeing a lot of the same with our coaching programs and courses that we have as well. Um, you know, now is, is probably a better time than any to prepare also for a lot of the potential real estate opportunities that I think are coming online here in the next year or so. So that's great too. So, yeah. yep, awesome. absolutely. It's yeah. It's like, we all have time. And so we're, we're learning and then we're, 
destroying our house in a good way. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, there's so much more that we could definitely talk about, but we're going to move into the investing for good impact rounds. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions around investing for good. So the first question is investing in yourself. So what is one way that your investments are allowing you to live a better life? Yeah. Uh, so I think really for me, it comes down to being in control of your life and having the ability to make choices. So um, investing has allowed me to be my own boss and mm -hmm. to really live kind of my passion, which is mostly teaching and, and building businesses. And, and now I'm in control. And I think that's really important. It certainly is for me. Um, I felt like I was bogged down in the corporate life. And uh, for those who are still in the corporate life, who have that kind of burning passion and desire to do something more and to bring value to the world and the market, I think that, you know, entrepreneurship and investing is what allowed me to do that. And, and that's, you know, what, what I've seen from it. Yeah, I love that because I think that, you know, it goes back to what you said earlier at the beginning of the show that you felt like you had more value to add to the market if you were on your own. And I felt that every day, every day I would get up and go to my job and I'm just, I drive two to three hours a day on the road, leave my kids all day and just felt like I had millions more to give and millions more to serve and help. And, and um, having that control certainly has been something for me, the control over my time and the flexibility to, you know, navigate through my days for what makes sense for me has been super powerful. So I love that. Um, okay. Second question is investing in others. So what is one investment strategy or life hack or something you might be able to share with our audience that'll help them catapult their investing journey? So, so one thing that, that I do, it's kind of, tech related, but it's just so simple is like, so we all have, we might not all, but we, you know, a lot of us have to do list type software or just mm -hmm. a pad of paper to do list. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whatever software you use for that, uh, I happen to use Asana, but I think the most crucial part of my to do list uh, habits is a recurring task uh, methodology. And it's not like recurring tasks necessarily like weekly. It's really like far out recurring tasks. So if you use it, I, and I recommend people do kind of really structure on some kind of online to-do list type thing that here's what you got to do for the day. Um, if you use something like that in setting really far out, like reminder type tasks has mm -hmm. been a game changer for me. And it just happened like this past Wednesday, I had a task come up on my Asana that said, wish Adam congratulations. Mm -hmm. I was like, no idea what that is. I clicked into <laughs> it and it says, and I bet Adam's going to listen to it. He's a, he's a student of mine. Um, it said, Adam is getting married on September 19th. Wish him congratulations. Uh -huh. And, and I go back to, we, we were last talking in like January and he must've uh -huh. told me like, thanks, you know, it was great. And we talked about it, he's getting married. And I made a task for September 16th to wish him congratulations. And I was like, it was one of those moments. Where I was like, yeah, that's why I do this thing. It, because it kind of, it, it really helps me to, communicate with with those in my life and to make sure I'm following up with things and it's so easy to do you set it and forget it and it comes back and you're like really happy and you can do it for all sorts of things like ordering cat food or um, renewing your driver's license or changing your oil it helps to get that stuff out of your head and just have the system kind of remind you you got to do this stuff and 
And if you have one place to look, it's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the systems thing, right? Like, you know, everything that you're doing at Income Digs and how to leverage the, you know, technology and these reminders so that you don't have to be, you know, bogged down with like, oh my gosh, I have so much to remember and life gets hectic and chaotic. You just, you know, it's almost like having somebody there to, to tell you like, hey, tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, don't forget you got to do this or do that. And, and uh, super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, last question is investing in the world. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to in your investments to help make the world a better place? Uh, yeah, well, on this, what I have a tendency to do, this is not the best business thing, but um, because I, it feels so good, I just do it. I, I've kind of, you know, through this entrepreneurial journey, I've kind of almost decided or found that like teaching is probably what, what gets me most excited. Like I, I get really excited when I'm on a one-on-one zoom call and I'm teaching somebody how to do something and then they, the light bulb goes off and I get paid to do that. Um, what I've been doing a lot, especially this year is doing a lot of free work. And my thought on this is that I love doing it. I don't cringe at the thought of spending one, two hour sessions with my students, um, I really enjoy it. And sometimes I, I know that there's a student who needs help and you know, the $300 for a session is just a lot. And sometimes I'll just be like, let's just get on it. Let's do it. And I've been doing that more and more. I don't want to market that. That's what I, you know, it's, it's not all free stuff, but to me, it's, it's really been great for myself. I feel great doing that stuff. And I know that the audience is really appreciating it as well. It's one of those things where it's like, what do you have that others can benefit from and share it? And, and so that's what I've been doing a lot this year. And I'm going to hopefully going to make that into more of a process thing. It's just a little bit more free stuff. Um, it makes me feel really good and, and people are, are finding value from it. So that's what I would say to that question. And, and oh, I think just even like having the space, right? That like doing real estate and, and having your own business has given you the space, like you said, to even discover that teaching was something that really lit you up and, you know, really excited you. And I feel like that's something for me as well, since I left my job that I've really had the space and the time to to discover what, what lights me up and what makes me feel like, oh my goodness, I get to make such a big impact in the world today with everything that I'm doing. And I wouldn't have had that if I'm you know, doing the crazy two to three hour commute and just so dialed in at my job and just, you know, who has time to sit around and think about what lights them up in the day, you know? So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what you were saying earlier too, about like, we don't know where Mm -hmm. we're going to go or how we're going to end up, but like making the decisions that put you into a place to discover yourself and what you value and what your passion Uh. is, is like that first step. So it's, it's easy to say. I know there's probably people listening who are in a corporate job. They're like, oh, yeah, well, you guys did it. But um, it'll come. You know, if, it, if that burning desire isn't quite there yet, it'll, it'll continue to build and it'll come and, and, and it will happen to you, too. And you'll find, you know, what your passion is. And, and hopefully that's financially viable as well. In most cases, there's a market for what you are good at and what your mm-hmm. passion is. Well, Nick, you have such an inspirational story and so much wisdom to share. I know people are going to want to follow up with you. So what's the best place that they can go to learn more about all that you're doing? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Incomedigs.com is probably the the best place to see kind of what I'm up to when I'm doing plenty of free resources there. You can email me directly if you would like. It's just nick at incomedigs.com. 
I uh, will reply to every single email I get, at least, you know, for the near future until it becomes impossible. But um, right now I am doing that. And I really love to see my audience feedback and, and, and I respond directly to that. So. Well, Nick Baldo, real estate investor, business owner, and creator of Income Digs. Nick, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom here today with us. Thanks so much for having me. I've had a blast. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.